Well, this morning we're going to be talking about an idea in this series called Be Salt and Light. And this idea, it's, it's a really small idea. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a small, small idea. My big idea is a small idea. And when you go home today, you'll say to your spouse, is that really what he preached about? And they will say, I think it is. And those, you know, like, wow, that was a small idea. But sometimes small ideas can have a big impact. John Wooden uh, was uh, the great college basketball coach. He's kind of an idol among anyone who knows anything about college basketball, John Wooden. And on the first day of practice with all of his teams, the first day of practice, he'd get these guys who thought they were hot stuff and they were ready to play some ball. And on the first day of practice, the first thing he would do with all of his basketball players is he would teach them how to properly, some of you know this if you've read anything about John Wooden, he would teach them how to properly tie their shoe. He would teach them how to properly pull up their sock, get all the wrinkles out of the bottom of their shoe, and pull up the tongue of the shoe and lace it from the bottom up because he knew it's, it's a small idea. But when his players were running up and down the basketball court without blisters and the other team had blisters on their feet, he knew that he would have the advantage. So he would take time out of his precious schedule with his star athletes and teach them how to tie their shoe. This morning... Uh, we're going to talk about a small idea, but without this, you can't win the ball game. Not in today's culture. Today, it's a small idea, but without it, we can't be salt and light. We're talking about how are we to be salt and light in this culture. That's the conversation we're having this month. And it's especially useful as we get ready for Easter Resurrection Day. And, and one of the things that we've acknowledged is that it's hard to talk about certain things today. It's hard to talk about some of these subjects. I've appreciated some of the feedback that I've gotten from you, some emails and phone calls and some conversations from you that tells me that you are processing this, that this is where you, many of you, uh, many of us are at in our relationships with people, that we need to know how to talk about things because the landscape has changed. And uh, we have this we, we want to share Jesus with people, but we can, we can see that it has to be a little bit different than it used to be. And uh, we see that in this, in this growing gap between Christianity and our culture. There's this growing gap, so there's less, we have less in common. We have less vocabulary in common. We don't share the same values. Uh, we're Really, we have two entirely different worldviews that we're operating from. So there's this growing gap. And in addition to that, we have this supercharged atmosphere where nobody can talk about anything without someone getting alienated. We talk past each other and we yell at each other. It's just really a tense time uh, in our polarized, politicized culture where almost every subject is off limits. I mean, speaking of polarization, we saw this week that Republicans can't even agree with Republicans. They don't even agree with each other. Uh, so so how, can, you know, how can Republicans and Democrats ever agree with each other? Uh, we uh, joked a couple weeks ago that you can't even talk about that one safe subject. The one thing we used to talk about when we didn't know anything else to say, we'd say, well, how about, it's really nice outside, you know. Uh, you can't talk about the weather because the weather brings up the subject of climate change, and then people want to know: Do you believe in climate change? You don't believe in climate, or, you know? And they'll they'll interpret your remarks as uh, you know uh, you're taking your position on climate change. I s- saw a map this week, a graphic that actually uh, brought that out in an interesting way. This is from the New York Times. And it's a, it's a map of America that shows whether we talk about climate change or not. 
So the green part, uh, the green part is, is we don't talk about climate change. And the purple is we talk about climate change pretty much, you know, kind of fair amount. And so you see that even our country doesn't agree on whether to even talk about the weather or not. You know, that's kind of, this is the world that we live in today. And it's hard to know if you can't even talk about the weather how do you ever talk about anything more sensitive than that? How do you talk about something really important? How do you ever get to things like eternal life and death? How do you ever bring a conversation to uh, anything having to do with Jesus and who he is and why he came and why that matters? How do you do that? Well, that's what we want to talk about this morning. We actually... Added our very, made our first installment in the answer to that question last week when we talked about how important it is in this polarized culture that as Jesus followers, we lead with love. That the very first thing we do is demonstrate love. That, that, that's got to be, that's got to be the, the first thing that we do is demonstrate shocking love to people. That's consistent in a relationship over a period of time because really that's the one attribute that we're supposed to share with God our Heavenly Father that's going to mark us as children of His and is going to demonstrate that we have any truth to what we say. So that's the very first thing we do. We don't lead with truth in this culture. We've got to lead with love. So we talked about that last week. If you didn't miss that, or if you did miss that, that'd be worth going back and listening to online, or you can use Trinity's app to do that. But, but uh, that's what we talked about last week. Now, that's important. Leading with love is vital, and that's why it was the very first thing that we talked about. But that alone is not going to be enough. Leading with love, shocking people with love, is part of the equation, but it's not the whole thing. It's not enough. Because uh, sharing Jesus at some point is going to require a conversation. At some point, it's going to require a spiritual conversation. You're going to have to step into the unknown in a relationship and bring up spiritual things. You have in your worship folder a, a little insert that I'll point out once or twice this morning. It's the one that looks like this and has a couple things on, the, has some information on the front and the back. And really, this is meant to be, this is a primer that we use at Trinity to help, help equip us to share our faith. And on the front, it's got uh, sharing God's story in three simple ways you can share God's story. And on the back, a place where you can share your story. And then some things to remember. What I want to point out is one of those things to remember is the third one there, that you have to be prepared to step at a certain point in relationship, you've got to be prepared to step into a conversation with someone and talk about spiritual things. And that's where, that's where the challenge comes, right? If you want to be salt and light in this culture, that's where the tricky part comes. And here's, here's what we want to say about that this morning, that if you really want to bring up a spiritual conversation in a way that will will uh, give you some meaningful interaction, then you've got to become an expert on that subject that part of America wants to talk about and part of America doesn't. You've got to become an expert on the subject of climate change. Actually, you have to become a climate changer, and we're going to talk about what that means this morning. Take your Bibles, open them to First Peter. 
First Peter. We're just going to take a look at one simple teaching in the book of First Peter. But here's why this is interesting in, in light of the conversation that we're having. Because we've talked about this polarization in our culture, and one way we've described it is by using the words Acts 2 and Acts 17. You remember that? If you've been, been around. Acts 2 is a sermon that Peter preached in Jerusalem. Acts 17 is a sermon Paul preached in Athens. Jerusalem, headquarters of biblical orthodoxy. Everybody in Jerusalem shares the same values. They share the same belief in one God, the true God of the Bible. They share a lot of vocabulary. They share a history of, and a knowledge of how God has been at the work, at work of the world in many ways, describing a very monolithic culture, kind of like the United States was for a long time, fairly monolithic, and shared a lot of values and vocabulary in the area of spiritual things. And you move on to Acts chapter 17. It's not like that anymore. It's a pluralistic society. It's uh, lots of gods and lots of lifestyles, and they're all fine. And we've said we, found our, we find ourselves living more in Acts 17 now than we do uh, in Acts chapter 2. Well, what's interesting about this book of 1 Peter, the person who preached the sermon that day in Acts chapter 2 to that monolithic culture was Peter. And he got to preach to a bunch of people who shared the same worldview and the same values, and they just needed a little bit of information about Jesus to take that final step. And that day, 3,000 people responded to Peter's message. But as the church in Jerusalem began to grow, they began to experience persecution, and it scattered them to various parts of of the Roman Empire. And so now, instead of being in Jerusalem, these same Jesus followers are now in other parts of the Mediterranean. They're in places like Athens and Thessalonica. They're in northern Africa. And as they have scattered into these places, they began to run into the same problem that you have in, in Athens. They began to run into a worldview, people who didn't know the true God. They, they went from a monolithic culture to this pluralistic culture, And so Peter wants to write them a letter. Same guy who preached that sermon wants to write a letter to these scattered believers who are now bumping up into other worldviews. And he wants to equip them. He wants to teach them how to live for God in that pluralistic culture. And that's the purpose of 1 Peter. When you read 1 Peter in that light, it's pretty interesting that Peter is equipping these Jesus followers to live for God in a a pluralistic way culture that's hostile towards Christianity. That's the, that's the purpose of First Peter, and one of the teachings right there in First Peter on how believers ought to engage in this pluralistic culture is, is found in chapter 3, verse 15, and it's a very, verses 15 and 16. Very simple, but he's advising them on something very important, and he says, in your hearts, Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope, uh, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Paul, uh, Peter, says this. Here's my advice on talking about Jesus in a pluralistic society, he says to these Jesus followers. Here's my advice. 
do it. Always be prepared to do it, to have a spiritual conversation. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have. You need to be ready to have this conversation. You need to have, and that's, that's the purpose of this insert, is to give you some ways of thinking about how to share God's story, the good news of Jesus. And then on the back, how to share your story, how, how you chose Jesus and, and how that has impacted your life. You need to be ready to give an answer always to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. So Peter says, listen, be ready. Be ready. Have it in your toolbox, a way of speaking about God's story and your story. But, then he says, but, listen, in this culture, you got to do it in a certain way. Do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness, respect. Another translation translates the word gentleness, courtesy. All right? Be ready to share, but do it with Courtesy and respect. Now, this is interesting. I didn't know this. Or if I knew it, I'd forgotten it, which happens more and more. Uh, the word respect is the word phobos. That's the word that we get our word fear from. You sometimes hear pastors talk about this word when they're talking about how we're supposed to fear God. And they say, well, it doesn't mean necessarily be afraid of God, but it does mean show him reverence. Well, it's interesting that that kind of reverence, that kind of fear, that same word that's used to describe our relation, our attitude towards God, is here it's used to describe how we're to relate to people who don't even know God. Treat them with reverence, with respect. This is, the respect is the right word, but it gives you a, the, a good understanding of what, what Peter is saying. He says, listen. You've got to be ready to share God's story of why Jesus came and why that matters. You've got to be ready to share your story of how God has transformed you, why you chose Jesus and how it's helped you in your life. But you've got to do it in this culture with gentleness, courtesy, and respect. And you could put it like this, that if you want to talk with other people about Jesus, you've got to become an expert on climate change you have got to become an expert on changing the climate of conversations. And you've got to be able to change the climate to a climate that is safe and real, where you can have a safe, real conversation with a person who doesn't know Jesus. And the key to that conversation, the key to having a conversation that is courteous and respectful, the key to having a conversation that is uh, changing the climate and making, a, making it safe and real to talk with another person about spiritual things is listening. Being a listener. Being an excellent listener. Being what some might call a radical listener. And that's my point this morning. It is a very specific idea you might say, that's a pretty small idea. Well, uh, here's the thing. Once we have led with love, if that's all we've done, we haven't done enough. We've got to get to a point where we can share, and the only, reason, the only way to do that in an environment like this is to learn to listen to our friends. If we want to engage people in meaningful conversations about Jesus, especially when the temperature's hot, when there's electricity in the air, you've got to You've got to take that electricity out of the air by being a great listener to the people that you're talking with. 
people are sensitive. The, the old leadership principle is this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. What that means is when you have a spiritual conversation with someone, what if your goal was to first understand where they were coming from? What, it was to, what if your goal was first to understand what they thought about Christianity? what they thought about Jesus. Instead of trying to find a way to shoehorn your packaged presentation, and instead you engage in a conversation that's safe and real, you're ready to give an answer. You know how to do that. But, but your, first, your first overture in a relationship is to listen. People who study interpersonal communication, I've done some reading on this in, in uh, the last couple of months, People who study interpersonal communication, especially interpersonal communication that has to take place in a hostile environment, they all say, listen, the way to communicate in a hostile environment is to, is to make a special effort to listen to the other person. You've got to start here. We've got to start here. If we want to have meaningful conversations with people who don't follow Jesus, we've got to learn to listen. And you say, that's a small idea for a pastor to be talking about on a Sunday morning. Well, uh, you can think that if you want to. But if my job is not just to explain the Bible, but if my job as pastor is to explain how we're to put the Bible to use in our context, then we have to have the conversation about listening. Because this is not the way we've grown up learning how to share Jesus. And it's not, the, it's not the model we see, a model of communication that we see in our culture. Just read the letters to the editor in the Union Bulletin. You will not find a whole lot of people who have spent a, 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 any effort trying to understand the other perspectives that they're trying to write against. Just go to any public meeting on a sensitive subject. You won't find a lot of people who are trying to empathize with where other people are coming from and at least understanding their position. It's just not how our culture is working today. But if we want to be effective in sharing Jesus, we've got to add to our love a willingness to listen. We lead with love, but then we've got to learn to listen. And if it makes you feel better, radical listening is just biblical listening. Now, you didn't know that God had a position on listening. You didn't know there was a theology of listening, did you? But there is. There's a theology of listening. God made us, and he knows how human beings communicate, and he knows what it takes for human beings to communicate with each other. And he tells us it starts with listening. That's why James says in James chapter 1, Everyone should be quick to listen. We looked at this when we were talking about preserving unity in the faith family. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, talk slow, and slow to anger. Quick to listen is God's theology of communication. God's theology of communication, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Proverbs says this, He who answers before listening, This is his folly and his shame. If we want to be able to share Jesus, we've got to follow this theology of communication, which is quick to listen, slow to speak. We don't answer before we understand the issue. One rabbi says, talking about biblical listening, one rabbi says, that's why God gave you two ears, and he put them way out in the open, and he put your tongue behind a cage. That's what it's going to take. 
Radical listening. And Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled this in the passage that we looked at last Sunday, which is John chapter 4, where Jesus engages with this Samaritan woman. And uh, we won't go back over that story. Many of you, those of you who were here last week, we remember it. Many of you also know it. But there's this big gap between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. There's a big gap, multiple gaps between Jesus and this person. There's, first of all, this big ethnic gap, Jews and Samaritans, and they don't get along, and they don't, they don't regard each other, and they hold each other in disdain. So there's already this ethnic gap. There was a uh, big uh, religious gap between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans basically had distorted Christi- you know, Orthodox Judaism. In the, in the views of uh, Jewish people. There was not just an a ethnic gap and a, uh, this religious gap. There's a gender gap between a man and a woman. Several times you read the passage, she's called the Samaritan woman, and she calls herself a Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, emphasizing this divide in, in both race and gender. And then there's the elephant in the room, the big moral gap between Jesus and this woman who's had five husbands and is now on man number six. And so, you know, a lot of Christians wouldn't even be comfortable having that conversation with all those barriers in the way. But Jesus, that's exactly what he does. He engages her in this conversation and he listens to her. And you can, you can read the exchange. That'd be something you could do this afternoon when you go home. Read this exchange between Jesus and Samaritan woman. Jesus doesn't have a canned presentation. His presentation is, uh, he, could, he could only have said the things that he said that day to that woman at that place. They were all very specific to her and her situation. And that moment wasn't a canned presentation. And then the other thing I think was interesting is I looked at this this week, that uh, you see this conversation unfold he said, she said. There's a, there's a back and forth dialogue seven times in that, one, in that one episode. Seven times. So it goes like this. He said, she said. 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 He said. Back and forth and back and forth. And it's not until the very last he said that he says, I uh, uh, let, me, let me get this right. He says, uh, I who speak to you am he. It's not until he gets to the very end that he actually identifies himself as the Messiah, the one that God sent. It's not until the end of this conversation that he presents the good news, the gospel. And it's all this back and forth dialogue with a person where there could have been all these barriers, but instead it was a mutual engagement of back and forth conversation. And that is what it's going to take in the United States today. Jesus followers who have real meaningful conversations with people who don't know God. There used to be a day when you walk up to a stranger and you walk them through a little piece of paper. That's not today. What it means is that these dialogues take more time. People moving towards Jesus takes more time. Acts chapter 17 or Acts chapter 2, 3000 people decide in one day because it's their next step. Acts chapter 17, a few people a few people respond. 
a few people reject, and a few people say, hey, we should talk about this some more. That's the culture that we live in, where we need to be able to have conversations. And if you want to listen like this, it's going to mean two things. Uh, First of all, it's going to mean that you're going to have to fix that desire in you to correct or persuade someone in the middle of a conversation. Right? That's the first thing that we have to do is we have to suppress the desire to persuade or correct. If you're like me, when you're listening to someone and they're sharing, especially when it comes to something important to you like who Jesus is or what he really said or what the Bible really says, you know, I mean, like, I want to fix that. If you say something that's not correct, I want to fix that. I want to get that straight. But when you're having this kind of radical listening conversation, you're just going to have to suppress that. It doesn't mean you're not going to be able to talk about those things at some point, but you're going to have to be a listener. You can imagine that when you're in Athens and not Jerusalem, that there are going to be things that are going to be said that you're going to want to say, mm, not exactly, you know? But if every time your friend says something, you come back and correct that, then they're going to shut down. And they're not going to want to have this conversation. That's not what you want. You want to know where your friend is coming from. You want to know what their perceptions or misperceptions are. How else can you help them unless you know what they are? So you, you, you let them talk. The first thing you have to do is be able to suppress that desire to fix or persuade. And the second thing that we need to become experts at doing is asking questions. We've got to be able to ask questions in these conversations and learn about the people that God's put in our path. Proverbs tells us, it's a, it's a great verse, it says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. A person of understanding draws out what's deep in another person's heart. So your friend, your coworker, the, the people you go to school with, They're deep waters. Think about that. They're deep waters. They have a story. They have a reason they believe what they do. They have a reason that they reject what you believe. They have a reason. You should find out what that reason is. They have a version of Christianity. They have one. They have a certain understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. You should find out what their understanding of that is. They have had an experience. They've had an experience with Christianity. They've had experience with another Christian. They've had an experience with a church. They've had some kind of experience. You should ask them to tell that story. You should find out what that story is. To be a climate changer, you've got to create a safe environment for conversation, and then you've got to draw that out with questions and find out about the, the, the people that God has put in your path. It's one of the ways that you show respect for someone is by hearing their story and drawing that out. So what Peter tells us is that in a pluralistic environment, when you have conversations about Jesus, conduct them with courtesy and respect And today, that means listening. And when we learn to listen, when we learn to listen and we repress that urge to fix everything someone says, we repress that urge to dump the whole presentation on someone, we resist the urge to uh, uh, act like 
we have all the answers to whatever their questions might be, and we don't even want to hear the question. We just want to give them the answer. The key is to, to listen. And when we do that, we're going to address some of the very problems that we've been talking about exist in our culture. We're going to address, first of all, this polarization problem because when we learn to listen, we take all the electricity out of, a, out of, the, out of the air. In this supercharged culture where everybody's hostile, the last thing someone expects is to be listened to. So when we listen to our friends, we take all that negative energy out of the conversation. It calms us down. It calms them down. It communicates respect for them as a person. It helps us uh, take the heat out of the conversation. And it also helps us find points of agreement with our friends. Think about this. I wonder how much of the gospel you and your friend already hold in common. How much of the gospel do you and your friend already agree on? It's possible if you just explore that together, maybe not with those words, but if you were to just listen to your friend, it's possible that you both agree that the world is broken. That's part of the gospel, part of the good news. It's possible that you both agree that not only is the world broken, but everyone who's ever lived has contributed to that problem. That's part of the gospel. It's possible that you both agree that a loving God would want to do something about that. You might agree on that. It's possible that you both agree that, that uh, there's something about Jesus that is unique and there's never been anyone like him. You know, those are all various components of the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and why he came, that you might already agree on, but you're not going to know that until you're willing to engage in this conversation. So listening, it's going to help take the electricity out of the environment, out of the conversation. And it's also going to help shrink that gap between Christianity and culture, that gap between your friends and your faith. It's going to shrink that gap because as you listen to your friends, it's going to help you understand their perception of you, their perception of your beliefs. It's going to show their gaps in understanding and their gaps in, in their uh, biases or misperceptions. And it's only when you talk about these things that you're really going to be able to surface the real things that, that you and your friend need to be talking about. So listening, it helps address the supercharged atmosphere. It helps address this growing gap. And one other thing that it does is as you engage in listening to your friend, you create an environment where they will also be willing to listen to you. If you show them courtesy and respect they will show you courtesy and respect when it's your turn to share who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. You create an opportunity to be listened to. Communication is reciprocal. And that means that the same courtesy you show someone will be shown to you. So imagine this with me. It's just a small idea, but imagine that as basketball players... We know how to tie our shoes in such a way that it doesn't become a hindrance to what we're trying to accomplish. Imagine that as Jesus followers, we just had a simple practice, a simple way of being in our valley that, that didn't create hindrances to what we want to accomplish. And instead of building barriers and defenses with the people that we work with and live next to and interact with, 
What if instead we were people who shocked the valley by the way that we love them in consistent relationship and at the same time weren't afraid to talk about these kind of scary subjects but we did it in such a way that someone wasn't afraid to share what they thought with us and they were treated with respect when they shared their views and they were able to engage in a meaningful, safe dialogue about something that's really important to them, but they don't know who to talk to or how to talk with someone without the hammer coming down on them. Research says that most people in the United States are willing to have a spiritual conversation with a Christian. They're willing to have a spiritual conversation with a Christian as long as it's done in a way that is relational and friendly. Your friends are willing to be invited to church. They'll feel like a friend if you invite them to a part of your life that's important to you. Your friends are willing to hear what you think about who God is. They're your friends. They care about what you think. If you will show them that same kind of respect, they'd be willing to share with, they'd be willing to engage in that kind of, they're open. People are open to these conversations, but they need to be approached personally, and they need to be approached relationally. It needs to be preceded with love, and it needs to be couched in a context of listening. And today, you have some tools in your worship folder to help you with that. That's the purpose of this insert, is to give you a way of, uh, to be ready with an answer when someone asks you for the hope that you have. So on one side, three different ways. You can learn to tell God's story, the good news of who Jesus is and why he came. On the back, a little bit of coaching on how to write just a one-minute summation of your story and what God has done for you, how, how you turn to Jesus, so that you can have that ready, be prepared to give an answer. But you're not, not going to do that in a canned conversation, looking for any way to shoehorn that into a conversation. Instead, you're going to be listening. You're going to be in relationship with people, showing them love. And then God's going to bring up the opportunity for you to have a spiritual conversation with someone. You'll still have to be prepared to step. And that's a, that's a scary gap sometimes to step into. But that's part of being salt and light. If we want to carry out the work that God's given us to do in our relationships in this valley, then this is, this is part of who we need to be. So my prayer for you is that God will be putting this on your heart as we prepare for Easter Sunday. And it's not just about Easter Sunday. It's really about being salt and light all the time in this valley in all the different ways where God uh, has placed us. You know, the church, we are the church gathered right now, but this is not where we really do our work. This is where we get our equipping. And then it's the church scattered where we actually do the work that God's called us to do. The church gathered is salt inside the salt shaker, you know. The church scattered is salt outside where it needs to be making a difference. That's what we want to do. The church gathered is a light under a bushel, under a basket that Jesus talked about. The church scattered is taking off that basket and bringing it out into this valley and reverberating with the good news of who Jesus is. So that's our challenge. That's what God is calling us to. And what I want to do is ask you to think about how you can put this to use. And then I want to pray for us that God will equip us as a faith family to be this light and to be this salt in our valley. Father, this has been uh, another, just another learning time of being reminded that you've put us in this place in this time for a reason. We're, 
in the Walla Walla Valley in the year 2017 with all the unique dynamics that are taking place here for a reason because you want us to be salt and light. And we know that uh, as our culture changes, we need to adjust to that. That we, Our job hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. But how we share that with people does change. And so my prayer is that you'll make us really sensitive, really sensitive to our friends and our family. Some of them live here, some of them don't. And we want to be salt and light in this valley, but also beyond this valley to friends and family, and, and uh, we know that we need you to help us with this. And so I want to ask on my behalf and on behalf of this faith family, God, that you would equip us to do this, that you would give us the boldness that comes from being filled with your Holy Spirit, give us the wisdom that comes from uh, the things that we read in Scripture, and then help us to take that step with our friends with our family. Not be afraid to step into conversations knowing that you alone will be the one to guide them. But we're ready because we are prepared and we're equipped to listen. So uh, teach us the things that we know to be able to do this and we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.